Let me try to read you a few lines of Gerard Manley Hopkins, and I think you'll immediately grasp what I mean. These are the opening lines of a poem called The Leaden Echo. How to keep, is there any, any, is there none such, nowhere known some, bow or brooch or braid or brace, lace, latch or catch or key to keep back beauty, keep it beauty, beauty, beauty from vanishing away? Ya lo monta, cero y dos, está en el hoyo, en tercera Hernández, en primera Bell, hay Washington por las esquinas, hay dos out, viene la oferta, el lanzamiento, batazo peligroso, profundo por el central, Almora va atrás, Almora sigue atrás, Almora llegó, Almora, Almora Junior, espectacular, en una jugada sensacional, corriendo, el trayecto del Prado Central y contra la verja tararán tararán se quedó con ella para hacer el tercero de la entrada defensa gana partido Is there any, any, is there none such, nowhere, known some, bow or brooch or braid or brace, lace, latch or catch or key to keep back beauty, keep it beauty, beauty, beauty from vanishing away? Your internet radio dial is in the perfect position, and Race to the Bottom is on the air. Time to sit back and enjoy some refreshing Winslow tea. Try it hot, lukewarm, or over ice. Have it with milk and sugar, or a lemon wedge, or oh natural. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's Winslow tea. A New York City tradition since 1872. Ask for it by name at the tea house or your local greengrocer. Because that's how you know it's Winslow.
the Winslow Tea Broadcast booth. In warming Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And this is Race to the Bottom, baby. Yeah. This is David Axelrod, not the political strategist. With the must he used to have the mustache. This is David Axelrod, the uh prog jazz guy. Off of his album Song of Innocent. Not not Songs of Innocence, which wasn't that the one that the YouTube put on everybody's uh iPad or something? Holy Thursday. Which uh was sampled by a bunch of people, most notably Lil Wayne, R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. That guy, that guy fell off. But welcome to the show. We've got a good one. We're starting mayoral May, which is going to be fun. The whole there's five Saturdays this May, and that's going to give me five chances to talk to different smart, fun, funny, interesting people about this fascinating, confusing mayoral race here in New York City. Today, we're talking to Rachel C., who hosts the wonderful Here and Now on Radio Free Brooklyn. We're going to try to give an overview of, of the eight main candidates that are still... They're still standing! Right? Um, and try to try to break this this nutty race down a little bit. Think fast. Got some new music coming up from listener Tim. We'll check out. Because you can't make old friends, right? And Tim's one of my oldest friends. One of my... He's not old. I mean, he's as old as I am. I always make this mistake. Tim's friendship has been one of the longest in my life. I don't like this guitar sound. Corny. Come on, David Axelrod. That's why they just sampled the beginning. Kind of a little bloated. It's so good at the beginning, this song. But since we're all friends here, I do have a complaint to register or slash correction. Couple people. So we did March March Sadness here on the show where we had a tournament-style 
bracket-style tournament with listeners' saddest memories. It was the third annual March Sadness, and it was a heck of a time. Sad stories and funny stories and good writing and, and shared humanity, which is what we try to do on the show. But somebody brought up the the fact that the, the winner, Green Jumpsuit, was too sad. It broke the rules. Because it was the these memories were supposed to be sad but not too sad, like melancholic. And I see where where the complaints are coming from. I mean Green jumpsuit was incredibly gut-wrenching, but it very well written as well. And I'm going to take the hit for it. The guy who wrote Green jumpsuit, he did nothing wrong because I said in my description my only parameters was were was uh, no death. Maybe I'll, I'll make a little bit more of a stricture next year. But I wanted to be upfront with, with the complaints. This is like, I'm, I'm finally listening to, I think Jay Clarkson mentioned it on the show, the, the Bon Appetit kerfuffle and the Reply All kerfuffle. Oh yeah, it was because we were talking about uh, QAnon and the... The podcast Reply All did a good thing on QAnon. But then that show kind of got somewhat canceled because they did a show on the magazine Bon Appetit and the systematic racism there. And then people were like, doctor, examine thyself. And people realized Reply All had all this stuff under the rug. But I'm listening to that, and I think that something I'm learn, learning from it is is just to be as upfront as possible. And so I, I thought I would issue a co- uh, correction. This is a uh, this is listener Tim off of his new record, his new EP, which you can find on Spotify. Tim Bowers, Lessethan Sweet. And this is Sunflower. Let's listen to a minute of this. This is weird, wild stuff.
That's cool. Check it out in full. Tim also did the uh, some some of the great music for the how the internet has changed us. Some of the spooky dystopian stuff that we did on that two-part ep. How about that mashup though? So Kent Corin, who who hosts the show before me, called Mothers of Connection, which is a Frank Zappa, a Frank Zappa uh, centered show, where he tries to kind of do like a six degrees of of Frank Zappa and do cool kind of connections. He said at the end of the show I was listening when he was uh, tossing it to me. He said, I always do these mashups, and, and a lot of times I, I put kind of things from the week into my mashups, and which used to be more true. But what you want me to put, I don't want to put anything from the week. You want me to put uh, Tucker Carlson on there? Come on. And Ted Cruz doing a Simpsons impression. That was actually from a long time ago. I'm not going to make you listen to that. But I am gonna. I did make you listen to some some, uh, some strange things. So what what we hear? We heard the poetry of Gerard Manley Hopkins, as read by Leonard Bernstein on his really great musical kind of uh, lecture. Thing on YouTube. I forgot the name of it, but it's, it's excellent. He's talking about he's talking about a lot of things. Talk about making connections. Kent Corn should get Leonard Bernstein on his show. Make some Zappa connections. So we heard that mixed, m- mixed and mashed and muddled with "Through the Fire" by. Shaka Khan, because I've said it once and I'll say it again. You got to examine your Shaka pros and your Shaka cons. And uh, yeah, that song is good. It slaps as as uh, the the thing of saying it slaps. Now you have to. It's a longer. You have to say it slaps as the kids say. That's the whole expression now. We heard from, and uh, speaking of Jay Clarkson, he, he sent me this Spanish, the Spanish uh, Deportes call of Albert Almora Jr. making a spectacular catch in a Mets game um, earlier, uh, earlier this week before the Mets fell off a cliff and uh, entered a sad state of affairs. I have to take a Mets break which I allow myself, as I might have told you on previous episodes, when the Mets get below 500, when they've lost more games than they've won, I allow myself to uh, to take a break until they get at least back up uh, even Steven. And my wife needs a break from watching the games as well, which I understand. But that was a great play. But and it, it's uh, the the Mets, the Knicks giveth and the Mets taketh away. The Knicks are in fourth place. 
and there was a, as I said on Twitter, the the first New York Post article I've ever liked. There's an article yesterday that the Knicks are trying to figure out how to get. Dame time. Damian Lillard. Oh, my God. My favorite player on the Knicks. Let's do it. Thank you, uh, Rupert Murdoch, for that reporting. It's it's classic, you know. It's the Rupert Murdoch um, ethos of giving people the news that they want to hear that can that lines up with their previously held beliefs. That was a perfect example. I've previously said it would be amazing if Damian Lillard was on the Knicks, and then I saw that article and I'm like, see, I was right, and. Uh, January 6th wasn't that bad. Um, then we heard, because on these Mets games and stuff, and, and basketball games, I'd say the biggest sample, when they play the little music interludes on the loudspeakers, the biggest thing now is from Kanye's, uh, uh-huh, hey, uh-huh, from uh, Power. The beginning of power and I was like uh you know I was a big Kanye booster for a long time and then I just I couldn't do it anymore when he uh you know all the omelet bar stuff was too much but I asked myself John where where does that that has to be a sample from somewhere so I looked into it and it's from this band continent and What's the symbol if you have a lowercase n and then a circle kind of where if you had like n to the second power, um, but instead of a the, that little two, it's a circle. N to the second, n circle six. Any Can anybody help me out with what that would be? You understand what I'm saying? It's like... N to the circle power six. And there that it was their song Afro America. It's just the very beginning of that song. That song gets incredibly weird, but it's the Oh uh-huh. eh, uh-huh. eh, eh. that part. My research team has no idea what I'm talking about. It's hard to explain. I'm trying to say the name of this band. Continent N6. Look it up. Afro-America. But I thought I'd throw in a couple of this. So that's two Kanye uh, samples. I have a history of taking Kanye, the genius of Kanye, putting it in the show without actually having to hear from Kanye. I've edited him out of his own songs and just the other rappers featured. And I thought I'd give you a couple of his great samples. I hope he's doing well. I hope he's figuring some stuff out. And he uh, has a resurgence with uh, some some better viewpoints he wants to share. They're saying it, my research team's saying it means number. Oh, number. And number six. That's a weird way to write number. Continent number six. Okay. 
Thank you. Thank you, research team. And then for some reason, my wife and I were getting, got, we were talking about how Gregorian chants got really big in the 90s. You, re- you guys remember that? My dad had a, bought a Gregorian chant tape, I remember. He was like, it's very soothing. And then there was the Enigma song, Sad, Dis-moi, right? And I played a little bit of that with the, the breakbeats over the, the monks. Why is it that Gregorian chants got so big? That's what I want to know. In the background, we're hearing um, this album was my comfort, one of my comfort albums during the pandemic. This is Gregoire Marais and Bill Frizzell and Romaine Collin, their album Americana, and their cover of the uh, Bonnie Vare songs regarding Re. Re.stacks. Am I done explaining the smash up yet? You ask? One last thing. I went I went out uh, to a, a, a bar for the first time with my vaccinated friend. We sat in a socially distanced capacity and my friend Julian is from France and he wanted to uh, kind of understand baseball. So we went and watched um, part of a Yankees game, and I mansplained baseball at this place, Bloom's Tavern, which is fun, and it's it's a it's in, like, Midtown East in Manhattan. And it's the, the pub is, is based on um, the book... Ulysses, the classic that no one's read by James Joyce. I'm going to read that this summer. But anyway, I, I went to the to the men's room, and I heard piped in on the speakers the song "Valerie" by Steve Winwood, a remix of it with like a four on the floor techno beat behind it. And if you're a longtime listener to the show, yeah, Julian, you did get on the show today. If you're a longtime listener to the show, you'll realize that, or you'll remember that I, there's certain songs, I don't know why this is, but certain songs you hear that just depress you. And they're not even necessarily sad songs, but for some reason, that song, Valerie, by... Steve Winwood always depressed me so much when I was a little kid. That'd be a interesting thing to have the phone ring on. What are songs that inexplicably d- depress you? And that was the mashup. In the background, we're listening to Bremer and McCoy, who are like the unofficial official 
band of this radio program. And I've been talking about this for a while, and I'm going to do it right now. I want to get Bremer and McCoy to call into the show. Because I love their music. I use it as bed music on Race to the Bottom. And I think they're great. And I'm going to send them this, this email. Right now, watch this. All right. I think I'm going to... I think their Facebook is how I can do it. I've written to them before, and they said that they were... uh, I asked them if they wanted to come on the show, and and they... And this was back pre-COVID times. And they said, well, we don't have any definite plans to, to... Come to uh, come to the states, but if we do, we'll stop by. But I'm I'm just gonna write them. I'm gonna say call call in, right? Here, let me let me get this set up. Here we go. Let me proofread this with you guys real quick. Hey guys, as usual, I'm playing your music as a bed for my radio show, Race to the Bottom, which has been airing on Radio Free Brooklyn for the past two years. I'm writing you live during my show as a testament to how important your music is to the program. I would love to have you call into the show to talk about your composition and recording process. Here, which I have a a live link, that, I thought that was cool, right? Is a link to an interview I did with pianist Sam Harris to demonstrate the kind of thing I'd like to get into. I should sit, clarify that it's not the uh, that other Sam Harris. I'll put in in brackets. I'll put Ambrose Akinmercere, so they know they probably know who that is, because as we know. Sam plays keys for him. Um, we could do it live or as a pre-record to fit your schedules. Your music has provided great solace to me over the past number of years, and I would love to share it with a wider audience. That'll do the trick, right? It should. 
Let me just put in brackets Ambrose Akin Mercerae so they know I'm not talking about the meditation guy who's also a bigot. Okay. All right, I'm going to send it. Here's hoping. Bam. Okay. Yeah, because their manager said last time, Hey, John, thanks for your message and your kind words on the music. We have no concrete U.S. plans at the moment, but we'll keep you in mind if that changes best, and it's their manager. So I guess I'm writing to their manager. We'll see what happens. Okay, so it's been a while. It's been a while since I did a political checkup. But I think we need to do one. And I think that basically mayoral May is, in essence, a political checkup as well. So um, let's hear from uh, from Johnny, Johnny's Automotive, and uh, bust into this real quick. Spring has sprung. It is the time for walks in the park, afternoon showers, bunny rabbits, and the time to visit your local and thorough mechanic. Hi, I'm Johnny from Johnny's Automotive. Think of your car as an Easter egg hunt. Every nook and cranny might be a beautifully colored egg filled with nothing but problems. That's where I come in. Let me scavenge your car for any little nugget of imperfection. Then we'll fix it. That's Johnny's way. Visit us this spring on the corner of Crisco Road and Pop. At Johnny's, we do the job right and check it. See you soon. Johnny's got a move I know you're ready for some politics. But Johnny, race to the bottom. Like clockwork. Thank you, as always, to Johnny, who sponsors this and every political checkup. He does the job right and then checks it and then checks it again. Visit him if you're in western North Carolina on the corner of Crisco Road and Popular Creek. And, uh, yeah, he's a good dude. So, Mayoral May is what we're doing here, which is under the subheading of who do you want to win, who's going to win. So let's get that out of the way. Who do you want to win and who... So I'm going to try to be objective as I can with this who do you want to win, who's going to win, and the mayoral may uh, thing. Uh, Caller, I think I can bring you in, uh, but let me just do this intro. Um, Caller, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. uh, Rachel, do you mind if I just uh, set this up for a second here? Sure thing. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm going to try to be as objective as I can as as we go through through this stuff. But I have been called a hate-filled simpleton lying in public with zero sense of shame. And where was I called that? Where would you think? On Twitter, right? Been kind of getting into it a little bit, but I uh, can't really do it anymore. 
who who's got time for getting into it on Twitter? But these uh, there there are this this uh, this certain group of of like people who call themselves socialists but are just uh, jerks um, and don't believe in in uh, in racism. You know, think it's all class. We want this class race dichotomy. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. You, you gotta, you gotta keep both in, in mind at the same time. And I think a lot of those, um, dynamics will, will be coming up in this primary race first class, um, or, or the intersectionality, right? You gotta remember in intersectionality, um, um, both kind of a 10 cent word and also a very important concept. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've got tons of stuff to, I could rattle on about with, with the, uh, state of the world right now, but, uh, man, Twitter, who needs it, right? Um, okay. So <clears throat> without further ado, let's, let's get into this on, on the line is, uh, Rachel C from, from here and now, and, and, uh, one of the kind of, um, most um, active people at Radio Free Brooklyn, keeping this this thing going uh, for for five plus years, and I'm so happy to have you on the show, Rachel, to help me break down this kind of crazy uh, mayoral race, which, as crazy as it is, is going to basically be over by by June, and I don't think people realize the urgency of it. So, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. And it just got crazier in the last 24 hours. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think that you're referring to the fact that um, Scott Stringer, uh, who kind of had an interesting kind of lane in, in this race, was, uh, was um, there were accusations of sexual assault um, leveled against him and he has really uh, plummeted in his, um, you know, his support has plummeted and it's kind of opened up this kind of new, uh, you know, new era in this race. Right. So yesterday morning is when the allegations, which is where they are at this point, were made public. And by nightfall, he lost several major endorsements and he is as of this morning as of our conversation right now still a candidate he hasn't dropped out um but i mean within a matter of hours he he lost real key endorsements and hers i'm speculating a little bit here but i have to wonder if um part of why that is is just um it's such a thick primary so <laughs> it's, it's really tense out there you know it's it's i think i i think there's a People are real quick to, um, you know, kind of call for his stepping down because there's just, I mean, there's like 50,000 candidates. <laughs> yeah. And and the fact that, that, you know, we've got a governor with very multiple credible allegations against him and he's doing the like Trump thing where he's just like, I'm not going to resign, What whatever, what are you going to do? So then to also have that in our, our mayoral race uh, as we're trying to like change things uh, in in this in city politics, it's not a good look. 
Yeah, it's not a good look. They they are markedly different sort of situations. What's going on with Cuomo and Stringer? But yeah, it, it is not a good look. But uh, so yeah, <laughs> let's. Uh, so I'm interested in like the the big picture for sure. But let's first before we get into kind of um, the the narratives and kind of patterns and and our kind of takes on what might happen. Let's just do like a lightning round where we just get all eight candidates on the table um, in kind of a thumbnail sketch. Um, does that sound good? Sounds good to me. Okay, so I'll, I'll just go through them and, and you can uh, chime in with a, a anything else in kind of a lightning round about these people you would like to add. Um, so since we brought him up, let's start with Scott Stringer, he um, is the NYC comptroller. He was the Manhattan Brook, uh, Manhattan Borough president before that. He kind of, um, I think, why these recent allegations are interesting or big against him is that he had this kind of interesting thing where he can kind of speak the progressive uh, language pretty effectively and and has and kind of checks the boxes on a lot of the progressive policies but he also uh, portrayed himself um pro- probably rightfully as like a, a pragmatist who could get things done and and could uh kind of come in and and uh kind of clean up some of the messes that de Blasio has made um and he's a big critic of de Blasio and kind of was a, a bit of a face of of possible change yeah so stringer um of all the candidates had a re- early on a really comprehensive um holistic um view of you know of COVID-19 recovery and, and that process for the city. His COVID-19 recovery plan included um, housing as a human right, mm-hmm. comprehensive child care. Climate justice was worked into his pandemic re- recovery plan. He had, and I, I found it actually really striking that early on, he had as detailed and comprehensive a plan as he did. I, I mean, again, I... Like you, I don't want to, you know, kind of put my opinions on certain candidates out there, but I was really impressed by how detailed his plan was and and holistic and, and all-encompassing it was very early on. He's thought of as an old-school New York liberal. He's a native New Yorker, came up through the public school system. He's in the race, um, from what I understand, part of what really his impetus for getting in there was um, early polls showed was he was someone who could possibly beat Andrew Yang. Um, and there are a lot of um, progressive candidates and progressive folks in New York City who are really concerned about um, what a Yang mayoral mm-hmm. ship, what a Yang administration could mean for the city. Um, and Stringer is someone, you know, what also is shocking about all this, He's he's been a housing advocate. He's been an advocate for, for women in a lot of ways. Um, People don't necessarily know a lot about, for example, um, if you are someone with a, if you're a domestic violence victim, this can happen to men also. Um, but if you, and you are granted a restraining order against um, the person who is um, been perpetrating this violence against you, the N- officers, NYPD, has to deliver that restraining order. It used to be that the victim had to do it. So a mm-hmm. lot of women were held with the responsibility of actually handing over a restraining order to the person who is like trying to physically That's harm them. That's crazy. Scott Stringer 
is the guy who helped push forward the, the change in policy um, to help to, that that change that. He's done a lot of little things because he's inv- been you know in New York City government for so long. A lot of little policy changes that really have had an impact on people's day to day lives. So he's been around for a while. Yeah, so <laughs> real knowledgeable about how government works, and yeah, so it's th- this whole thing is uh, kind of. It's really shocking and a little disheartening. Um, he, he had um, the endorsement of, along with two other candidates, of the Working Families Party. Mm-hmm. WFP did something interesting this uh, time around, and it was a reflection of the now ranked choice voting that we do in New York City. You don't just vote for your guy in the primary. You, you rank choice. You vote um, for your first choice through fifth choice, and they did a ranked choice endorsement. And Scott Stringer was number one until last night. <laughs> so he, uh, he had like the, he, he had earned like the, the big endorsement that a lot of progressives look for. So he, this, this was all of this was, he was a really hopeful candidate for people who, um, you know, kind of lean progressive, lean really to the left and we'll see how this plays out. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. All this news just broke yesterday. So so, yeah, and we, I wonder, like, whether it's, I mean, I guess it is good to talk about his policies, but it's, I wonder if it's kind of a waste of breath to talk very much more about him because who knows if he's going to be out of, of the game. Um, so let's talk next about, like, the other, uh, more, right. uh, progressive, uh, candidates and we'll, we'll get those out of the way. But first, I just wanted to say, uh, a lot of my understanding of this race, I have to give a shout out to uh, the Brian Lair show on WNYC. Um, he's been doing Ask the Mayor tryout uh, month, and he's had all the candidates except Yang hasn't been on there yet to talk for about a half an hour and to take questions from his uh, listeners. He does Ask the Mayor with de Blasio, and he did it, I think, previously with with uh, what's his face, Bloomberg, um, where he, he just takes calls every Friday. So it was like a tryout uh, thing. Um, and Brian Lair describes ranked choice voting in a, a way that helped me um, conceptualize it, which is basically like if I'm going to uh, the store for ice cream and I ask Rachel, what do you want? And you say, uh, I would like Rocky Road, but they don't usually have that. So if they don't have that, I'll take strawberry. And if they don't have that, I'll take uh, vanilla. And you just kind of go down the the list, um, and I guess it's I I don't know what the cutoff is, but if if the candidate which you indicate for first place, if they if they don't get um, a, enough of a support, it, uh, your choice votes uh, jumps to the second uh, person you selected, and and down from there. Would you say that that's an accurate description, Rachel? Yes, it's actually a really great way of describing it. The ice cream analogy, yeah. <laughs> which is also why it's important. You just you don't just vote for number one. You really need to vote for two, three, four, and five. Yeah. Because there's no support then for those other candidates. There, you won't get an accurate reflection of what the people really want. Um, and that could kind of skew the election results. So everyone who's listening, it may seem like a real pain and, or something you're just not used to. You, it, just pick your five. <laughs> pick your five favorite yeah. places. <laughs> okay. So so next, uh, maybe the the... The most progressive candidate uh, by a lot of people's estimations in the race is Diane Morales. She is uh, often described as a former social services nonprofit CEO and a former teacher. Um, she is um, 
pretty pretty dynamic and um is the only uh candidate who's just flat out calling f- for def- uh defunding the NYPD uh some other candidates kind of uh, take some of those ideas but don't like the language of defund they think it's counterproductive but she's uh she's you know unabashedly saying that um what would you have to add to a thumbnail sketch of Diane Morales Rachel well she unabashed is a good way to describe her she's very you know forthright in what her thoughts or opinions are on things she's very energetic she is someone who is inspiring a lot of people and motivating a lot of people. She is a former public school educator. And I think that's important in this race because the fact is, courtesy of Mayor Bloomberg, the mayor of New York City is the head of the public school system mm-hmm. in New York City. So it'd be great to have someone in that position who really knows what that job is about and understand what what that system needs. Mm-hmm. Um, she, as far as um, her approach to the issue of policing, like the whole thing, one thing that's unique to her um, approach or what she would like to do is she has proposed an early intervention system to track officer infractions. So it will be different. There's, you, you won't suddenly, there won't be an incident and with an officer. And then you, we learn that this officer, you know, has been having incidents over the past mm-hmm. several years, and we all kind of throw up our hands and say, well, why didn't we do something sooner? There will be a tracking system um, that, and the idea is we'll, we'll be able to monitor officer behavior. So if there are red flags, we can do something about it. Um, she She's made no bones about it. She wants to make radical changes. Um, she is maybe a little less detailed than someone like Stringer in her actual like Mm -hmm. point by point, bullet by bullet, like how we're going to recover from COVID-19. But like most of the candidates, she acknowledges we need to include in their climate, you know, we need to acknowledge housing um, changes in, in infrastructure or recognize that certain things are infrastructure now, like Wi-Fi broadband Mm -hmm. access Childcare; these need to be included in infrastructure. We need to look at how the pandemic has disproportionately affected certain communities, and how do we include these communities in the recovery process? Um, so that's that. Those are some things about Morales that, mm-hmm. but she is probably one of the more energetic, dynamic candidates. Um, she now um, she was the number two ranked choice for WFP's endorsement. What WFP has done now, what they did now, is um, rather than do a ranked choice with the rescinding of the endorsement of Scott Stringer, the P- Working Families Party is now co-endorsing two candidates, Morales and Wiley, to try and just amplify their presence in the race. She is one of the two genuinely progressive, full throttle, does, doesn't just like side with progressives on certain issues. She is, mm-hmm. Morales is a progressive candidate <laughs> yeah. all the way through. Um, yes. So if that's something you look for, if that's the way you lean, She's someone. Yes, mm-hmm. she's someone you might want to read up more about. Yeah. Um, so that leads us to uh, to Wiley. We are going to have to step on the gas a little bit because okay. we're only t- we only have uh, two done. We've got uh, eleven minutes. Oh, no. So I I'll know. But okay. but My- you know <laughs> to to kind of be uh, um, you know uh, somewhat transparent. I think that uh, for both of us, these first three are are you know 
maybe the candidates we're most interested in. Wiley, uh, speaking of of police uh, policing and kind of bring curtailing some of the abuses of the NYPD, uh, kind of got her her campaign launch from stepping down uh, from the um, civilian compa- complaint review board. Um, she was counsel to Bill De Blasio, but because of Bill De Blasio's um, kind of inability to uh, rein in the uh, NYPD during the the protest this past summer. She was uh, just like, this is ridiculous, and stepped down and used that kind of as the springboard to launch her campaign. People might know her from appearances on MSNBC. She's also quite progressive. Um, Anything to add on Wiley? If I could sum her up in a word, uh, communication. The way mm-hmm. she communicates is very different. If you want a fresher breath there, that's that's Maya Wiley. Mm-hmm. She's very even keeled, even toned. She's someone um, who, you know, w- one thing to consider is that New York City is a big city, big budget, big population. It takes cooperation from places like Albany and sometimes Washington, D.C. in order to get things achieved here because of our size and magnitude. Mm-hmm. And I you get the sense that if she were to encounter combative personalities like, say, a Cuomo or even, you know, if she were to have butt heads with, um, you know, the heads of the police union, mm-hmm. she would is someone who's very capable of keeping an even keel. Mm-hmm. OK, and, and not reacting and, and to people yelling and screaming at her, which, which, you know what? Listen, we have a lot of women in the race this time around. We mm-hmm. could very well have our first woman mayor and that can ruff- i don't think people understand that 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 will ruffle a lot of feathers yes, yes. you know it seems we're like hey it's new york everybody's here that that's you know that that can still ruffle a lot of feathers one thing that's stood out to me in terms of her approach to policing and reforming policing she wants a full audit of the nypd mm-hmm. budget like a full audit and i thought that was an interesting thing because if you really want transparency and if you want to defund or change up the budget let's do a full audit first and we can see where everything's really been going mm-hmm. so let's do this i'm i'm going to run through the um the other five and then and then you can have the the last word on kind of summing up what you think about these other five um so uh, speaking about police, um, Eric Adams is a former policeman, and by some people's like political insiders think that aside from Yang, he might have the best shot. Um, uh, I was interested uh, early on ab- about Adams as possibly a figure that could, um, you know, have better communication with the NYPD because the there was a, a basic breakdown between de Blasio and, and the NYPD for, for multiple years now. And I thought maybe Eric Adams would, would uh, kind of have some strength against the police unions, but he's actually um, running a quite conservative campaign. It turns out um, really focused on, on crime in the city. He wants to reinstate um, this, this special crimes unit um, and, and is really positioning himself as kind of a tough guy, which uh, was surprising and and maybe disappointing to some. Um, We've got Sean Donovan, who's kind of a... A bit of a blank slate in a, in a way, uh, although if if you're looking for maybe, you know, Stringer was somebody who who positioned himself as, as kind of 
although progressive, uh, very competent, uh, and with uh, experience. Sean Donovan, Sean Donovan has the only kind of federal uh, level experience. He was the um, he was at the OM the federal OMB uh, office um, management of and budget office of management and budget budget i can't say it uh he was the um also the uh former head of of hud um under obama he before that he worked with uh, um under the uh um bloomberg campaign so he's kind of a uh more of a an insider it would be interesting as we're going to need like federal funds and and stuff moving forward to see how what he could do Catherine Garcia um, is is the one candidate who has not kind of um, distanced themselves from de Blasio. She's kind of uh, known as de Blasio's fixer. She was the head of uh, the Department of Sanitation, but also did anything that any kind of big problems that needed to be solved. Uh, de Blasio would often put her in charge. Uh, she delivered uh, food during the pandemic and in put together a food program uh, also uh, there when there was a lead uh, crisis with um, lead pipes in a lot of public buildings she spearheaded that um, but she's pretty uh, centrist and kind of tries to act uh, kind of no nonsense in a way um, Raymond McGuire uh, um, is a former Citigroup um, executive he was endorsed by uh Jay Z and in Diddy, and um, he is um, African American. He is a big art. He's like the biggest art uh, collector of of um, black artists in the uh, country, and he's kind of an outsider um, kind of candidate who who wants to come in and fix things with his kind of outsider uh, CEO expertise, which kind of um, dovetails with with yang who also has that outsider kind of ceo startup energy um andrew yang um and most polls is leading uh maybe because he ran for president and kind of has this celebrity status now uh he has some pretty devoted fans the yang gang uh and some kind <laughs> he has of name recognition yeah iconoclastic <laughs> uh, ideas that excite some people and a kind of unique approach uh, thoughts? Hello? Yeah. Thought, you have yeah, th- okay. thoughts? Oh, yeah. Um, what's interesting about, uh, McGuire is when I was really trying to find out a little bit more about him for our conversation today, plenty of information about him personally. It's hard. There isn't a whole lot out there about his platforms. No. Like what his plan is for the city. Um, even as compared with someone like Garcia. You know, she's, it's her, her idea, what, what she says she'd like to do, what, you know, for the city. It, it's, you know, it's pretty easy to come find out where she stands on certain issues, what she'd like to do, what her thoughts are. Um, it's, I'm really curious, given his resources, why there isn't a whole lot more mm-hmm. available, you know, information available about what McGuire's actual, what he plans to tangibly do for the city. And I know one thing that's come to light about Yang is, um, uh, not so much about him, but, a concern is that um, he's someone who's big on Bitcoining, and he'd like to bring that to New York City to help with our recovery, our economic recovery. Yeah. But it's, what's really come to light is just how damaging to the climate and the environment Bitcoining can be. Yes. And since cl- 
climate justice and, and climate concerns seem to be on the forefront of a lot of voters' minds, that's it's it's kind of it's, it's something to be aware of. And the the reason for that is that people can, uh, because Bitcoin is kind of outside of the regular uh, market and and kind of money trail, uh, companies can can use Bitcoin for kind of nefarious purposes that um, yeah. aren't as traceable. Um, Yang also, you know, he's famous for uh, UBI, uh, Universal Basic Income. But something that really gave me pause, while while I do um, kind of like the idea of universal basic income, where every, everyone kind of gets what he calls the freedom dividend of of a few thousand dollars a month or whatever, it, that is kind of he pitches that to behind closed doors to a lot of people as uh, replacing uh, a lot of social services. So it's kind of this yes. libertarian uh, ideal um, kind of cloaked in this progressive uh, valence. Right. That UBI, especially the dollar man, he suggests um, in a place like New York City with our high living costs, you, you can't just replace, give someone that dollar amount and take away every other safety net we have. That'll be disastrous. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That, that you add that on top of some other things, maybe people, certain people will start to see their basic needs met and over time we'll have a little bit of stability. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really curious why he's running Yang. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Does he really genuinely want to help people? Does he think politics is just the next thing to get into for him? I'm curious. I'm like, that's the one thing about him that gives me pause. Like, why are you actually doing this? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, I'm glad that you're you're doing this and you did this with us. Um, we're out of time. Uh, you've been listening to Race to the Bottom. Thank you, uh, Rachel. And I will talk to you guys next week for more Mayoral May. Thanks, Rachel.